Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the D Hour Network. I'm your host, Marcia Fadison, for your help. I just want to wish everyone a happy Sunday. We are in the month of August, and I'm telling you, um, it's a beautiful, hot summer. I know it's been pretty hot throughout the nation. So I wish everyone a blessed and safe evening. Um, I'm here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where the rain and the lightning and thunder is coming down pretty good. So I hope everyone is in a place of safety. Um, I am excited about my guest. She's been on this show before. Her name is Linda Walden, and she is a doula. And we're going to be having a discussion this evening about um, African, especially African-American women having babies during the time of COVID-19 and the effect on the families, the children, and as the health, not just of the mother, but the baby too, and how we can protect ourselves during this time um, of this pandemic and making sure that the baby's safe, the mom's safe, as well as the family members. So I just want to wish everyone a happy Sunday, but um, we will be having more of a conversation about COVID-19 and giving birth. So we'll just take a break and we'll be right back with Linda, Linda Walden in just a second. Cause it rained on your parade Seems nobody cares about you anyway Now you're living your life like a castaway Search for strength inside Was it all in vain? Cause the deeper you dig You find more and more pain Don't let your tomorrow be like yesterday Cause I'm full to God I called out your name And on your behalf Yeah. 
Welcome back to the D-Hour Network. I'm your host, Marcia Thaddison, for your help. Just want to remind our listening audience, this show is to bring information to inform us about our health, and we try to bring people on this show that's going to educate us about what they've done or what they're doing to better their health and the health of their family. With COVID-19 out here, there's so many things that are happening that has many, many Americans fearful. And one thing we want to address is women giving birth during this time of this pandemic and the support they're going to be needing during this time. You know, it's very hard to uh, think about giving birth when you have complications and you're fearful, you're not knowing, but we want to be able to educate ourselves. And we have here Linda Walton. She's with Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies. Linda, welcome back on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am so grateful. I'm, You know, it's been a blessing since we've crossed paths that you and I stay connected. We may not hear from each other for months, but Linda is always gracious enough to say, okay, yes, I'm willing to come on and share this information. And I know with COVID-19 and other things that's going on, we want to be able to share with moms what they can do during this pandemic to be prepared, um, how to get through it. And so that's one of the topics of conversation I want to have with you on the show tonight. But for our Mm -hmm. listening audience who don't know you or have known anything about a doula, tell them who you are and why you're doing this, Linda. Yes. Well, my name is Linda Walton, and I am a doula here in Atlanta, Georgia. And a doula is a a support person for a pregnant woman. And what we do is we provide um, physical, emotional, um, you know, spiritual, um, holistic support. support for pregnant women. And we don't provide any type of medical, uh, although we don't do any type of medical tests or provide any type of medical, um, you know, treatment or anything for mothers. We have a wealth of knowledge and education and background and, you know, networking with people throughout the birthing community to refer Um, a pregnant woman to, um, you know, say, for instance, if she needs any type of um, uh, mental health support or if she needs information on where to go to, you know, sign up for WIC and things like that. So we also provide um, resources and community resources for um, pregnant women. And we also provide family support. So not only are we there for the mom, we're there for the partner, Um, You know, if there are, you know, if the grandmother or the mother-in-law is 
planning to be in the room when the, the baby, you know, makes his grand entrance. Um, we also <laughs> provide support for the family members also. And that is so important. Um, you know, me, I love babies. I love children. I think they're the most precious thing that we can have, God has allowed us to have, yeah. and that's our children. And being able to mm-hmm. raise that next generation of children that are healthy, sound. Um, I'm always telling my grandchildren, I want to be healthy, smart, and strong. And we want these babies mm-hmm. to come in because learning so many things that I've learned over the years is what these mothers eat before they're pregnant, while they're pregnant, and even after mm-hmm. they have these babies, have a profound effect on those children's health academically, socially, and emotionally. So it's so mm-hmm. important that wound and treat it like it's a special space to bring forth life, which it is. And, you know, I've never grew up knowing about this. You know, I can remember back in the days when I was in high school, girls were having babies and you didn't even know they were pregnant. A lot of them didn't get even prenatal mm-hmm. care. And, and mm-hmm. that was, um, by God's grace, many of those babies came here healthy. So, but we want to mm-hmm. be able to have healthy babies because that's the next generation. And so healthy, healthy mothers and healthy babies is something that's set up to the government. Is that to the city or health department? How was that program set up? Well, Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies Coalition of Georgia is actually a nonprofit organization. Um, oh. It's been around. Yes, it is. It's, it's been, there are um, quite a few um, nonprofit organizations here in the Atlanta metro area that do mm-hmm. provide, um, you know, their, their focus is moms, babies, or, you know, supporting pregnant women, but they all have different missions, you know. Um, so Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies was founded, I think, maybe like 30 or 40 years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. And it was found, yes, it was actually founded um, under the umbrella of, you know, advocacy and legisl- legislative uh, work. And the organization still has a very, very heavy uh, arm with the uh, legislative um, bills and, and passing uh, different laws here in Georgia that support uh, moms and babies. For example, um, there was a recent well, actually, about a year ago, a law passed where, you know, right there at the state capitol, if a um, legislator has a baby, you know, they're supported with going to the the room, um, breastfeeding room, you know, right there at the state capitol, you know, those type things, or providing um, a, hot, a telehealth hotline in rural Georgia, because a lot of our rural counties are you know, they they don't have access to um, a lot of the health care things that we have access to here in the metro area. So um, they mm-hmm. really, really ha- have a high maternal mortality rate in those counties, and some of those counties don't even have a uh, OB doctor in the county. So um, healthy mothers, healthy babies, you know, um, we go in and we, you know, we have a, um, it's, it's like a customer customer care support line and provide, you know, tele telehealth type uh, referrals and recommendations and support for 
um, moms, families throughout um, the state of Georgia. So there are quite a few things that the um, that I haven't even mentioned that um, Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies Coalition of Georgia does here in the state of Georgia. So if someone is in some rural area, an area that does not have the support for mothers out there, they can start the nonprofit, and the nonprofit with Healthy Mothers and Healthy Babies will help them to establish a, a, a chapter there? Um, you know what? It, it's not set up in that way. However, um, Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies partners with a lot of um, organizations, um, you know, March of Dimes, those are larger ones, but there are, um, you know, more local, smaller organizations that Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies partners with throughout the state of Georgia. So um, now you as far as like, oh, go ahead, Ms. Marshall, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Go ahead, Linda. Go ahead, finish. As, you know, as far as having, you know, other, you know, locations or chapters, um, no, that's not the case. Okay. Now, um, okay. you mentioned March of Dimes. When I think of March of Dimes, I think of Jerry Lewis. I think he used to host that telethon every year for March of Dimes. Oh, yeah. Was Jerry Lewis? Was it Jerry Lewis? Yeah, it was Jerry Lewis back in the days, wasn't it? Back in the days, they used to come mm-hmm. on television. Mm-hmm. And how? And you don't hear much of March of Dimes. So March of Dimes is still around. That nonprofit organization is still around helping children. I think oh, these yeah. children were in books. In wheelchairs or um, has some type of um, problem, health problem, with their legs? Um, well, the March of Dimes, the branch that we deal with, you know, through Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies is, you know, the mother-baby part of it. Mm-hmm. And it's very mm-hmm. a very, very large organization. Yes. And actually they were one of the um, – funders of our class, our doula training class, childbirth educator class that I was a part of, the very first cohort that Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies had about a year ago. So the March of Dawn played a very big part in, um, you know, funding our our doula education. So they are very, very large here in, you know, throughout the country. I mean, they have right, their own, right. you know, website. They have their um, IG page, and I think they have an initiative now where where they are, you know, it's kind of like the buzzword, you know, with um, the maternal mortality rate for women of color. So they have like a campaign, an initiative where they are actually, you know, really supporting and providing resources for, um, you know, the maternal mortality rate. Um, to help combat those for mothers of color, you know, women of color, which yeah, and we comprise black women. And that just blows me away that to hear that. And we've had this conversation before, and those numbers mm-hmm. are still going up. Surprisingly, they're not changing, and mm-hmm. that no, is not. one thing. And now we have this COVID nineteen, so now. Young women are fearful as well as going into the hospital because, you know, I think back when I had my first child, I had no clue that a woman, you know, never crossed my mind about dying through childbirth or anything like that. Mm -hmm. For any of my children, that never even crossed my mind, you know. 
because um, I never knew of anyone dying during childbirth or even hearing of any of that. Because as I mentioned before, growing up in the you know the 60s and the 70s, and I'm a baby boomer, and a lot of these young girls were getting pregnant at 15, 16, 17. They were having their babies. Back then, you had to um, go to a special school. You couldn't attend a regular public school. And mm-hmm. Lady Pitts in Wisconsin, Lady Pitts um, School for Girls were those places. They had these facilities that girls would go have their babies and then come back and, and incorporate themselves back into the population of the school system. But mm-hmm. never thought about it. And the pain, you know, you had the labor pain and things like that. And I never took an epidural, so I didn't know all about all this other stuff until I beca- became older. And now I appreciate the information that you guys provide mothers with, healthy mothers, healthy babies, because sometimes mom and grandma don't pass on the knowledge and information about giving birth to their kids. Oh, you know, someone's pregnant, you don't have a baby, and the only thing we're getting excited about is a baby shower. So mm-hmm. I want us to kind of have this conversation to let us know everything that we need to prepare for having this baby. Now, um, just want to cover, we, we talked about a doula. How does one go about finding a doula, the right doula for them? And what's the procedure in finding one? Um, well, um, social media is a very, very powerful tool that, you know, here in Atlanta especially, um, you can go on I, uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, you can, you know, find a doula word of mouth. You know, you you may have a, a friend or know of a family member or someone who, you know, say, oh, wow, you know, I, this great doula or I know this, this uh, doula agency. You know, there are agencies out here. Um, a lot of them are advertised um, on social media. They have their own uh, web pages. Um, a lot of women who use midwives are actually referred to doulas or the mid the midwifery practice um, may have a, a doula collective on board for their practice. However, you don't always have to use the you know if you have your own doula and this person is like the perfect fit for you and. This person coincides, you you know how you say the the energies match, and you know, and you want to bring your own doula into your your birth, you know, your birthing setting. You can do that. However, there are, like I said, midwifery practices that have uh, that are affiliated with doula collectives or have a doula on call. Um, you can, you know, like I said, uh, research. You know, just. Um, there are holistic doulas. There are doulas that are, there are some doulas who say, well, you know, we do everything naturally. And then there are some doulas that are like, you know, if you want a C-section, if you want an epidural, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm here to support you um, either way you want to go, you know. But then there are some doulas that really advocate, you know, you having your baby naturally or having your baby in a home birth setting or, you know, um, really wanting you to be very natural with everything, and they provide that support, and they, you know, um, some of the doulas have other specialty areas that they 
you know, are certified in or they have had so much experience that they bring that along, you know, into the doula, the doula uh, client relationship. Um, there are just so many great doulas out here and a lot of, like, like you were asking me earlier, what is a doula? A lot of women just don't know or they've never, you know, heard of a doula or maybe they've gotten some misinformation. So that's why I would encourage anyone to do your research, you know, um, interview more than one doula. Um, some moms interview three or four doulas before they choose their doula. Or you may be the type of person, you know, when you when you meet a person, if that person is, you know, the person for you for whatever that particular service or whatever you want, you know. So there are many different, um, you know, avenues to choosing your doula. Um, most doulas have a, a, a web, a, um, personal web. Um, you can go online to their website. Um, you can read their bio. However, I feel like, you know, the person-to-person -person consultation, that interview piece is so important. However, we're in COVID, so a lot of things have shifted. So a lot of um, doulas are doing the Zoom interviews or the um, FaceTime or, you know, those platforms because of COVID and also providing doula services via, you know, um, Zoom and other type Skype platforms. Now, do hospitals and OBGYNs now uh, carry pamphlet information so their patients can be aware of doulas uh, and support that type of um, help for the mom and, and families? Like I was saying before, it depends on the 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 type. You know, a lot of midwives and doulas go hand in hand. So uh, right. if you're using a midwife, nine times out of ten, your midwife will, you know, advocate for you, you know, speak to you about having a doula. They advocate for um, the women to have doulas, to have that support. However, with a lot of, um, now I'm being truthful, <laughs> a lot of the, oh, the doctors, some of the doctors aren't very, you know, uh, welcoming to doulas, yeah. some, I'm, you know, I'm not speaking for everyone, because a lot of them really don't know, um, you know, in med medical school, they weren't, they're taught through the medical model, and so in the medical model, it's more, you know, um, treat the condition, you know, provide the medication, um, you know, put the fire out, you know, after the fact. So a lot of them really don't know what a doula really does, or they may feel, you know, um, you know, there's an extra person in this room who's in my client's ear, or you know, <laughs> so it's it's kind of a tricky slope with that. So you know, but however, you as the pregnant woman, if you want you a doula, you ha you have your doula. Um, it's your body, it's your health, it's you having that support and you having that um, education and you having the right to choose. You know, you having, you know, I mean, you're you're in a you're in a in a situation. You know, you're in a 
a different state when you're going into labor, I should say. I'll put it that way. So, you know, you just right. being informed and knowing what your rights are and, and knowing your body and knowing, you know, the anatomy and then having someone there that knows you that, you know, is supporting you and getting you all the things you need and making sure, you know, everything is going the way you want it, want them to go. However, you and I being mothers, we know sometimes with birth is not always the way mm-hmm. you plan it, but, you know, being no. informed and being supported is very, very important. Now, as you as a doula, are you tr- are you trained and how long that training, uh, if someone wants to be a doula or interested in being a doula, how long is that training to be a doula? Yes, I am trained. Um, I came through the first cohort of doula, childbirth educator, educator training through Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies, the very first class that they had. And we were trained by Dona International, which is the oldest um, certifying body um, for doulas in the country, maybe in the world, because it's an international organization. And it was started in New York a while back. Um, there are other organizations out there. there there's CAFA. There's um, ICEA, you know, there are lots of, um, and then there are, you know, um, smaller entities who train doulas that do a very great job. Um, They may train you more in the holistic realm or they may train you, you know, they have different, you know, branches of doulaing as they call it. Um, However, Dona is the, you know, it, it is what it is. They are considered the top-notch um, doula organization just because of their reputation. They've been around a long time. Uh, the medical the medical model looks to DONA. They're like some hospitals only allow DONA-certified doulas to work in their hospitals. Um, and they consider, you know, You've had a donor training. You, we know that you know these things. You've been tested. You know you you've had to you know get the births and document and turn all of the packets in. And so you know I am certified through donor. Now, however, you can train through donor and still practice as a doula and not even do your certification. You don't legally have to be licensed to be a doula because a doula does not do anything medical. So therefore we're not governed by like a board, like a nurse or occupational therapist or physical therapist. Um, However, for me, because I do have a healthcare background professionally, Mm -hmm. I just believe in my credentials. That's just me personally, just, you know, through, you you know, being a healthcare professional and having an education in healthcare. So for me, I knew that I was going to um, obtain my my certification. And when I started the program, we were given we were given a year to you know get the birth, um, you know complete the packet through Dona um, to get certified. But some of my classmates it took a little longer. You know, everyone has different you know, uh, obligations, different life experiences, you know, different things going on. So everyone did not complete 
the certification within that, within that one year window, but the majority of us did. So it was it was tough, <laughs> you know. Um, I know once the COVID hit, <clears throat> Donna had stopped accepting um, packets, you know, accepting. Everything is an, an electronic now. So there was a freeze, mm-hmm. but from what I've heard, um, now they're accepting, you know, the packets again. But like I said, there are other organizations out there. There are a lot of them. Pro-Doula, there, uh, Matron, there are so many different organizations that, you know, a person can go through and local organizations to get that doula training. It's pretty expensive. That's the, that's the catch. You know, um, for me, even as a working professional, I wouldn't have had, like, that kind of money you know, that's why I'm thankful to Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies, the March of Dimes, you know, the funders of our scholarships, because it's it's pretty expensive, because you have to have the books, you know, you have to go to disperse. These are things that are mm-hmm. out of pocket, you know, so, you know, I feel like I probably got, you know, I didn't add it up, but I feel like I probably got an $18,000 $18, um, training, you know, via a wow. scholarship. So that's why I'm forever grateful, thankful, and I do give back. Um, I appreciate. And why did you become when, a doula? What made you become a? And did you have a doula when you had your daughter? Oh, interesting. Um, I've, I'm I'm like you. I've always loved babies. I've, I'm the oldest granddaughter, so I've always been around moms and babies, you know, I'm from, I'm from rural Alabama and I was, you know, my mom was a teen mom. So I grew up in the house around my grandmother and, you know, older women. So uh, women having babies, neighbors or whatever, you know, the, the people across the road from my grandmother, they're like family. My uncle married the lady across the road's daughter. So, you know, it's just always been like always around pregnant women, always around, babies and family and things of that nature, always seeing animals have babies and, you know, knowing where babies came from really young, you know, just just always, you know, it's just like second nature for me. So um, children really have always liked me. Um, my sister's 13 years younger than me, so I was, you know, like a second mom to my my little sister. You know, even even being a teenager when she was born, I had had so much experience and exposure to being around babies. I knew how to take care mm-hmm. of her. I knew how to change her, you know, her her diaper. I knew how to, you know, bathe her. The only thing my mom breastfed her, you know. So, but it it was just second nature. So I always had that type of interest in moms and babies and my mom I remember my mom's best friend being pregnant and believe it or not I was like her doula I wasn't in there when she actually had her son but I was so super supportive of her like I really nurtured her and I was what 13 14 years old and it's just like second nature for me so um when I lived out in Seattle I worked for the government so mm-hmm. I had a high-paying job, but it wasn't me in terms of, you know, my. I'm, I'm really a caregiver in my heart of hearts. 
So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm on this job. I'm working all these hours. I'm making all this money and stuff. But I'm like, something's not right. Something's not missed. Something's missing. And what it was was babies and moms and that type of stuff. So <laughs> I would just go online and I would, like, just look at babies or look at doulas. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, I really, this is so me, you know. I'm just that type of person. I do a lot of reading, a lot of research and things like that. I like learning new things. And I was like, whoa, a doula. Right. She's really a – I've heard of a doula before, but I, I'm thinking these are just like for really rich white women. You know, this is what I'm thinking in my mind because right. I, I had her – I knew what a doula was, and but I did not know anyone personally who had that title of a doula where I came from. But, however yeah. – We've been doing doula work since the beginning of time, but we weren't called that as black women. You know, we were called like that supportive friend or, you know, that mom or that, you know, that um, even when we had the the grand midwives, the granny midwives back way, way back, she had her doula with her. She wasn't called that, but she did just like what we do now. She did the exact same thing, but she wasn't given that doula title, you know? So we've been doulas all along, (laughs) you know? So, yeah, and it it was just so me. And I was like, but, man, you know, I got to have time to do it, you know, and I work all the time, and, you know, my daughter was young then, and I was like, no, you know how you just kind of put things on the back burner. However, when I got here in Atlanta, yeah, when I got here and that opportunity knocked, oh, I jumped on it. Jumped. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. That's I jumped beautiful. On yeah. And I yeah. think there's be someone out there listening that may have this gift inside of them. Like you said, they're already mm-hmm. doing it. They show up at the hospital. They show up after, at the home to help the baby and the mom. And we mm-hmm. need that support even now. So what is your philosophy on birth? What is your philosophy on birth? Mm-hmm. My philosophy is, you know, it all works together. It's holistic. It's, you know, even before you get pregnant, like you were saying, the nutritional piece, mm-hmm. um, yes. the yes. stress, you know, you know, stress causes cortisol, you know, those hormones, um, the mental health. We really don't talk, touch on that and talk about that a lot, uh, but that is so important, you know, the mother's mental state is very important, you know, and her having, um, if she needs um, help or support, you know, having those resources and being able to get that even before she becomes pregnant or even while she's pregnant. You know, there are organizations out there um, that provide that for for pregnant women, um, you know, Whatever you're you're taking in, you know your environment, and we but we all know that, you know, for us as Black women, the weathering, you know, that's a word that's used in terms of just our everyday stressors of navigating our lives in this society that we live in. So that plays yeah. a part on our health. Um, when we when we carry our babies, you know, so um, there are so many things. And, like, for me, my philosophy is treat a pregnant woman right, okay? 
<laughs> you know, and you know, she is. Yeah, that is. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I, she's hungry, yeah, feed her. Don't have her, you know, sitting there starving. <laughs> she needs to be eating nutritional. You know, I, I see it all. You know, and and you know, sometimes everybody's so busy and everybody's so caught up, but our women are in a state of, uh, you know, emergency in, 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 in a sense, yes. you know, when it comes to yes. pregnancy and childbirth and even postpartum, because here in Georgia, that's when we lose most of the women is after they have the baby. So, you know, we right. really, really as a community, you know, even if you're not a doula or a healthcare professional, a nurse or whatever, or, you know, provide that support, provide that, because a lot of moms are lonely when they're pregnant. That's a mental, that can that can affect her when she has her baby. Um, a lot of right. trauma that these young women are women, women period, because not just young women have babies. There are women my age having babies. Some of them are first babies. So, you know, right. there are a lot of things involved, and that can come out when you have your baby. Believe it or not, and if it's know, not. And now, we want to look at the fact that how many of these women are doing this by themselves? They don't have the male support or the husband support. Mm-hmm. So financially, mm-hmm. emotionally, they're doing this alone. And but you know, right. one thing I'm learning about us women of color, um, the diet that we're eating before and while we're pregnant has a profound effect not just on your physical, but like you said, mental and emotional state of being because mm-hmm. eating mm-hmm. a lot of sugar and other things like that has a big, big, big factor. So we want to talk a little bit about nutritional, but I want to, how many births have you attended so far, Linda, at this point? I've done, I've done 10, I've, yes, I've done 10 births so far. I have um, a first-time mommy that's having her first daughter, her first baby, a girl, in November, and she is a school teacher, so she's going through a little anxiety about returning back to the classroom, even though right. we're in Fulton County. Even though she will be teaching virtually, she still has, you know, a lot going on in terms of her anxieties about being in the school. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, um, you know, there's a lot, this COVID thing, you know, it's, but believe it or not, there's actually a lot of women getting pregnant. Like there are a lot of women pregnant, right. You know, that have gotten pregnant during the COVID. (laughs) Right. So it's like, (laughs) Right. So it's like every day I'm seeing new friends or somebody yes. saying, oh, my yes. daughter's having a baby and these women holding their bellies. You know, there is a lot of, there's a baby boom that's coming down in what, December, November, December, because um, my client's baby is due the end of November. So actually, I think she got pregnant a little bit before the actual yeah, uh, shutdown. Yeah, when it was staying, uh, the stay-at-home order started, what, in March or April? Yeah, in March. Yeah, I'm thinking she <laughs> makes, I think her her, 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 her fiancé said he remember getting her pregnant right before the COVID. 
So, you know, I think their baby was conceived right before, but there are a lot of um, moms who, you know, a lot of women are pregnant now. And, because you know, a lot of the, yeah. the policies in the hospitals have changed. So, you know, it's like either you, you can only bring one person into the birth. So that's why a lot of doulas have gone virtual. Okay. Well, we're going to take a break. Because we're going to come back and we're going to have a conversation about the doulas, COVID-19, and the, uh, the rising number of African-American women dying, giving birth to their children today. And so we want to know why mm-hmm. that is happening because we're almost, and I think Atlanta is almost number one. Is Atlanta one of the, one of the highest rates of city where um, this is happening. So we're going to come back, and I'm going to mm-hmm. uh, tell everyone you're on the Hour Network. I'm your host, Marsha Patterson, with For Your Health and Linda Walden. We'll be right back. Never would have made it. Never could have made it without you. I would have lost it all. But now I see how you were there for me. And I can say, never would have made it. Never could have made it without you. I would have lost it all. But now I see how you were there for me. And I can say I'm stronger, I'm wiser, I'm better, much better. When I look back over all your promises.
Somebody just need to testify to something right next to him. Tell him, I'm strong. I'm wise. I'm better. Much better. When I look back over what he brought me through, I realize I made it because I had you to hold on to. Now I'm stronger. Now I'm wiser. I'm better. So much better. I made it. Is there anybody in this house other than me that could declare you made it? Tell your neighbor, never would have made it. Tell them, never could have made it. Oh, I wish I had some help here. I wish I had just two or three people. That would just declare it. Never would have made it. Never could have made it. Never could have made it. I just love to encourage myself. Sometimes I just look in the mirror and say, I'm strong. I'm wise, I am better, so much better, when I look back over what he brought me through, I realize I made it, because I had you to hold on to, but I never would have made it, I never could have made it. Without you, yeah, 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 oh, I could Almighty never would have made, never could have made, Singing one more time. All I need is just one more time. Everybody say with me. All right, you're back with the B Hour Network. I'm Marcia Patterson, your host. Um, Linda Walden is on. She's a doula. And we're talking about doulas, the importance of them being there, supporting families, doing moms, especially during this COVID-19. But as we talked earlier, we talked a little bit about um, African-American women being number one um, with that. But before we go there, Linda, there's some other areas I would like to talk about with doulas being a support for moms. What about Cincerium uh, having Cincerium section rate? Is when people have that, do that number tends to go down? Because I'm telling you, when I went in when my daughter was having my grandson, um, mm-hmm. 
he was a little, and I know, and I guess I said this before in the other show, and you had to remind me, and that's why doulas is important because as mom, we're looking at them like, okay, you're doing all this screaming and crying. The doctor wants to check you or you need to do this. And we, they need another voice besides their family member or their husband that don't have empathy or sympathy. Saying, wait a minute, let the doctor check you or let the doctor do this or you need to do this or you need to do that. Mm-hmm. So that doula is there to calm that mom, let her know what the procedure mm-hmm. is, and be there when they're doing that and they're uncomfortable with that procedure being done to them. I realize they have no patience. I mean, this is my observation. They have no patience with us. I mean, uh, as, as African-American women, because I've seen the doctor lose patient with my daughter real quick. And the first thing he wanted to mm-hmm. say, okay, we're just going to take her in cesarean. We're going to do a cesarean. I said, wait. Nope, we're, gonna just gonna, we're just gonna take. we're just going to take the baby. There's no mm-hmm. stress level, level sometimes at that point. And I've never remember hearing my friends or anyone having a cesarean when we were having our babies back in the days. So mm-hmm. let's talk about consumption rates when someone has a doula as opposed to not having one there. Yes, um, there is, you know, evidence. Um, you can go on Dona's website, um, www.dona.org, and there is a um, documentation piece that's um, on the website that shows the scientific evidence that if a person has a doula, um, the percentage rate of them having um, cesarean goes down drastically. You would be surprised. It's maybe like 80, 80% or 90%. I don't have the document in front of me right now, but there is, um, you know, scientific evidence that supports, um, you know, women that have a doula not having a C-section. Now, C-sections aren't bad, you know. However, unnecessary C-sections or women not needing a C-section and having one is the problem. Um, some moms, you know, they, they have to have a C-section. I mean, it's medically necessary, um, but to have one just because, you know, someone's impatient or, you know, um, the mom doesn't want to push or just, you know, just any hypothetical reason that's not medically necessary is not the answer. Um, or to have one for, you know, when a doctor performs a C-section versus you know, you having your baby vaginally, you and I both know that's much more money for the hospital. So, you know, those Hello. are the type things that those are the type things that uh we have to watch out for. And we don't want those things to happen to our our women, you know, just because, you know, um so, you know, we those I can't speak against the C-section. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an OB doctor. I'm not a midwife, you know. Um, But a lot of midwives don't even, they're so good at what they do that, you know, a lot of their moms just have, don't have, don't have C-sections. And like I said, us as doulas with our support, a lot of moms don't have C-sections. Now, is once having a C-section, do you always have to have one, or can the next birth be vaginal, or how does that work, or have you seen any of that? It, 
you know, it, it depends on the individual, but just because you've had a C-section doesn't mean you have to have one the next time. You know, it's called a um, VBAC. So, you know, there are lots of women who have VBACs. But then, again, there are women that, you know, the doctors say, well, you had a C-section before, and for whatever reason, you're going to have one again. I know back when I had my daughter, 20 plus years ago, it was kind of like the rule. If you if you had one C-section, you are going to have another one. So, you know, that's not as, you know, cut and dry anymore. You know, that's something that okay. I feel is, you know, V-backs are more, you know, accepted now and they happen more often and women are educa- better educated on that. So a lot of moms are going in and they're saying, you know, hey, I want to have this baby badly because I know I can do it with their doula. You know, they have their doula with them, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it just it, it depends. But, you know, our bodies were made to give birth. So, you know, mm-hmm. I advocate, you know, that's what we do. But there are many scenarios, and a lot of babies are pretty big, you know. So it just <laughs> depends. <laughs> Like you say, that nutritional piece, you know, if you've been eating Uh-oh. that Popeyes and all that, you know, that's, that can, uh, you know, it's, it, there are many yeah. factors. Everything, just think about it. Everything that you do has a, you know, has some ramifications, mm-hmm. you know, so that's why you want to have a good pregnancy and you want to eat well and you want to get your rest and your exercise. I tell my mom, let's walk, let's stretch. If you want to do some yoga, that's good too, you know, because you're having, a, you're preparing yourself to have a baby, you know, and, you know, some right. of them fight it tooth and nail, but some of them buy into it. And when they do, they, they thank me later, you know. So right, you have right. to stay active. Just because you're pregnant does not mean you get to sit down all the time and rest, you know. So um, C-sections aren't, I can't just say all C-sections are bad, but unnecessary right. C-sections is the key. Yeah. What is your mm-hmm. relationship with medical providers in the area that you work in or, or you're surrounded with? So you know, I can honestly make a relationship with them. With their oh, yes, I can honestly, I, yes, I can honestly say, I don't know if it's just my personality, because I can pretty much talk to anybody on any level, white, black, whatever, social, economic. I'm just that type of person. I don't really need a stranger. However, um, I can honestly say I've had great experiences with other medical um medical with the medical providers of the doulas um you know midwives um I get out there in the community and I show myself I I support I um you know lactation I do a, I have a lactation piece I work with Rose reaching out sisters everywhere I'm a community transformer we support women of color with breastfeeding you know because a lot of the moms, they get a little frustrated. You know, you got to teach them how to latch the baby on and things like that. And a lot of times if they get frustrated, they give up, you know, because the baby, you know, it's new to a lot of them. So, anyways, I have a great relationship. You know, I'm I'm one of those people, I'm not afraid to ask questions. I'm not afraid to 
you know, speak my mind. I'm not afraid to advocate for my, my, you know, my, my clients. Um, and people can tell when you care, when you genuinely care right. and you right. have that passion and yeah. that. And they, and, and a lot of them admire that. They like that, you know. Um, they said, oh, oh, I, I, when I, you know, was in Healthy Mothers, Healthy Baby as a student, you know, the directors and stuff, they said, we, you know what, Linda, we go out to different organizations, and these people say, oh, we've met Linda before, we know her, and I was still a doula <laughs> in training, just getting out there right. and meeting people and talking to people and showing my true passion and concern for the moms and the babies, and, you know, Sometimes for me as a doula, I kind of get a little discouraged in a sense when doulas kind of pit against each other, you know, because I I say if we all just think about why we do what we do, it's for the moms and the babies. So if we keep that focus, we won't worry about who got trained by who and who's too sister girl or who's too... Yoni theme, and you know, there's so many little different things, but you know how women sometimes we can get a little, you know, we're women. But right. I feel right. like as doulas, if we keep our focus on what why we do what we do, a lot of that will cease because I try to avoid those type things. And then, you know, with us being doulas, of a lot of you know, I'm, I'm a black woman, so with me being a woman of color. Um, sometimes people feel like, well, why was she trained with Donna? They don't like black women. You know, it's a lot of different things, but I'm like, you know, hey, I was I was given a, a opportunity via a scholarship. That's why I had I had to train with Donna. It's not that I don't I don't love my sisters. It's not that I'm not gonna support black what women. Is, it's not that I'm. Oh, go ahead, and Donna. Ask uh, uh, a, a, a Caucasian. Is there different groups of Dolan being trained by because of race or is it kind of um what, divided? Well, you know, a lot of a lot of the um <clears throat> shall I say established organizations like Dona and a lot of you know other organizations were started by white women and they pretty much only had white members for years and years and years. I mean, it's, it is what it is. We live in America. This is no shock. So. Okay. You know, when we, when when there are women of color in these organizations now, which a lot of them are campaigning to bring aboard more women of color because of the maternal mortality rates and issues and things that, you know, black women are going through in our country right now. So some of the other doulas and some doulas, maybe even in the organizations, have things to say on the racial lines. You know, and I try, and wow. I mean, I'm from Alabama, so it don't get me any more. I take, I can tell it a mile away. Like, I grew up in a different, people be like, why that don't bother you? I'm like, I'm from Alabama, honey. We, I ain't even going to go there. But anyways, you know, it's not that you're turning your back on, you know, your own people. It's not that at all, but, huh? You were looking for a resource that has been established that can teach you something, and you was going to yes. pull from that to bring back and your my credentials. Is that, 
Yes. And, and that's all, and you know, and, and the moms and the babies. Like I say, even when I trained in school in healthcare, I'm here for my, my, my clients and my clients first. That's if I do what I'm supposed to do and do my job to the best of my ability to support, I'm happy at the end of the day, you know. I know I've done my best. I know I've been there for them. And once you get your focus on them and all that other stuff, it kind of falls. Yeah, it's, you know, the box part. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us, Linda, about the hardest situation you've been in and kept your cool in your head um, regarding childbirth. Oh, wow. You know, for me, I'm a very um, – I'm kind of like my grandmother in the sense that I can kind of feel other people's pain and distress and stuff. I don't know. There's a word for that. Someone told me what that word was, but I can't think of it right now. Um, So for me, I really, um, I'm in tune with my clients. So I really care. So I really want, um, you know, the best for them. I really want comfort for them, you know, all of those things that are just for me, kind of like second nature. So, so you had a lot of times with, you had empathy me? for them. You had the word, it's the word empathy. You have empathy for them mm-hmm. or compact. Uh, so you have being Both. able to I, pick up. I have it all. Like, yes, like I'm just one of those people. I've been this way since I was a child. I can really tell when people are going through stuff and they, like if they're hurting, you know, I just don't know. I've always been that way. That's like a natural thing for me, for me, and my grandmother was that way also. So anyway, when my clients, a lot of first-time moms have a perfect dream of how they want their birth, you know, um, we do the birth plan. They're like, oh, I want it like this, and, you know, the ambiance, and those things aren't a problem. However, you and I both know that, your birth may not always go the way you want it, especially in this climate that we live in in our in our country. And so with, you know, birthing, you know, there may be interventions that are done, you know, that you you probably you didn't think you were gonna have, you know. So when a mom gets upset over things like that, you know, I this was me as a new brand new doula. It would really, really hurt me because I'm like, wow, you know, I really, really wanted her to have this type of birth and I really, you know, she really likes me. She's paying me, you know, to do a job and I want to do the job to the best of my ability. Um, However, I'm not the doctor. However, if the doctor, you know, like you were talking about C-section, so if the doctor's decide that that you're going to have a C-section, then that's what it's going to be, you know. And and for me, I had a client that really got upset about, you know, her having a C-section, about the length of, um, you know, just the length of her laboring and things of that nature. But she, this was her very first baby, and he was like over nine pounds. So he was, you know, stuck in her birth canal. So she did a lot of pushing. Yeah, he was. So, you know, she did a lot of pushing and things like that. But like I said, that's not my realm. My realm is to support her, comfort her, and be there for her. So at the end of the day, she ended up having a C-section. She lost a lot of, you know, blood and things of that nature. And so she was 
kind of at the end of it a little upset about it. And I just feel like because she was a new mom, because she had, you know, labored so long, um, she kind of just got a little upset at, at the doula. So, you know, it was hurtful. However, I, I had to I had to step outside of myself and not be selfish and say, oh, me, poor me, and, you know, look yes. at what she had gone through. Yes, it was her first time having a baby, um, how long she had labored. She had labored a long time. You know, there were lots, lots of other variables into why she may have been feeling that way, and she had just had a baby, so her hormones, you know, you know, after you have your yes. baby, your hormones go down. So, I, you know, right. I, I said, you know what, I looked myself in the mirror and I said, you can't take it personal. You can't take the fact that she didn't have the type of birth that she wanted. You know, she's upset. And, you know, she she's just, you know, she, she's hormonal. You know, she's a very, she's a new mom. She's learning to breastfeed. You know, so I really, really, you know, had to really, really, grow up, you know, and not take that personal and realize so that, Linda, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, Linda, as a doula, you have to blot out because you don't have no time frame of when that baby's going to be born. So with family, mm-hmm. so if you have young mothers that are doula that have children at home or a husband um, or other issues going on, that means everything stands still because you're now assisting this woman, because nobody knows what time that baby's going to be born or how long the labor's going to last, so you're going to be mm-hmm. there. And in the back of your mind, you think, okay, I'm supposed to be at a wedding or I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to. So all that has to lead you and just focus on that mother. And as you said before, this lady had labored for a long time. This young lady had labored for a long time for her first mm-hmm. birth. She's fearful, she's mm-hmm. scared, and then the doctor talks about cutting on you. You know, that's going to yes. send you uh, uh, into another realm in itself because, you know, I'm being cut on, I don't want to be cut on. So I understand that. Mm-hmm. So as a doula, you blot out time. How do you prepare for this? Do you know, okay, maybe an hour, two days? or uh, how, how you, What's the longest you've had to be with someone having a baby? She was actually the longest I had ever been with anyone because we got there like on a Wednesday and left like a Sunday or something, something like that. But anyways, you know, it's 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 planned out based on the due date. So say, for instance, I know that I have a mom due at the end of November, so I'm not going to plan any, I'm not going to plan any type of, you know, going out of town or, you know, like you say, a wedding or those are things that I even missed my aunt's funeral in Cleveland because I had a mom do. You know, those are things that, you know, you just, you got to be there for the mom. You know, that's what you signed Mm -hmm. up for. That's your commitment. Now, if there is a dire emergency, then you have a backup. Um, but okay. it has to be like a dire emergency because a lot of the moms really, even when you tell them, you know, hey, if there is a emergency emergency, I'm gonna have my backup. They really don't like it because they want you. You know, you're you're right, right, you're right. the it person. You're the person that they're like, hey, this is my doula. 
you know, I'm paying her, we, we have our relationship, our communication. Well, you know, sometimes life happens, so they need to understand that if that is the case, there will be a backup. Now, if you, I've never had to use my backup, but if you would like to meet her or you would like to, you know, Zoom her, you know, meet her via Zoom or whatever, let's do that because, you know, it just depends on the individual. But, um, you know, uh, I've forgotten the question. I'm sorry. I was talking. <laughs> uh, what no, what this, was the question, uh, Ms. Marsh? The time frame, the time frame, setting up the time frame, blocking out that. Yeah, room, yeah. You know, making sure, yeah, because yeah. when you do the consultation, yes, when you do the consultation, it's a business agreement. So when you do the consultation with the client, you're going to, you know, have everything in writing. You know, you're going to sit down and go over it with your client, and then they'll know, you know, when I'm 35 weeks or, you know, when to call or email or whatever, all of those things are going to be, you know, already understood in that contract mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. the baby, you know, before the baby arrives. Right, right. Now, mm-hmm. do they have today, do they have birth care so everybody's constantly laying down? Um uh, does uh, does women have that option and when they give birth today to be in a birthing chair or how is that set up? Is it based on the hospital they're assigned to? Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of uh, based on the, the the hospital, but a lot of women, you know, they can get in different positions, you know. Um, it's not always, you know, when back in the day you, was on, you were on your back, but, you okay. know, they already yeah. – the, the, you know, here in our country, the medical evidence has been put out that when they're on their back, it's 30% less room for the baby to come out when you're baby on your back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everybody's pretty aware of that. So everybody is really, you know, supportive of the mom if she wants to be in different positions, if she wants to use a birthing bar. Now, I haven't seen anybody use that bir- a birthing chair. You know, um, there. You know, mm-hmm. some women are more comfortable. You know, on on their, you know, different just different positions. So, and some mm-hmm. women use the birthing pool. You know, have water birth. So, it, but even with the water birth, that's only at a, you know one hospital. You know, here in Atlanta, that I that I've had a water birth. You know, so it, it just varies. Now. Uh, Northwest Hospital in Atlanta is the number one birthing place for babies. Isn't that correct? Is it Northwest Hospital? Um, Northside, they do birth more babies than any other hospital in the state. Okay, okay. Now, Uh yeah, they they do have a lot of births. I think like over 30,000 births in a year. Wow. Wow. (laughs) But, you know, Atlanta is super populated. So, right. yeah, they do. Right. They right. do have the both first. Now, I'm looking at American Heart Association published an article back in February of 2019. And the title of the article is Why Are Black Women at a Such High Rate of Dying of Pregnancy Complications? And I want to address, and they talk about uh, the, uh, the tennis players, Serena Williams and Beyonce having similar mm-hmm. problems 
kind of, let's touch about that. And, and, and one was the judge, judge, was the judge, what's that judge's name who lost her daughter-in-law uh, in pregnancy in Atlanta? Patrick, um, Judge Patrick. Judge, judge Patrick lost yes. her daughter-in-law. Oh, my God. Her mm-hmm. husband, um, story and his telling of what happened to his wife, a beautiful woman. I think it was their second mm-hmm. child was a boy. And mm-hmm. how he noticed the blood was filling up tube her tubes were filling up uh, her um things were filling up with blood. And mm-hmm. they're warning the doctors and my daughter too had the same complication well not the same kind of complication, but she was having difficulty breathing, having some issues and they weren't mm-hmm. listening. And we've noticed this even with my granddaughter um, having issues when her um, sickle cell was taking her to the doctor and we would complain about certain things. I remember taking my granddaughter to the hospital. She had hurt her ankle, and because she had sickle cell, they wanted to treat it as uh, sickle cell. I said, no, she's not having a sickle cell crisis. She hurt her ankle. And the nurse Mm -hmm. said that to the nurse. They go out. Another nurse come back in here with some medicine for sickle cell. No, 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 you're not listening. And so it's not till we raise our voice. Then they're like, wait a minute, you don't have to, you're not listening. You guys aren't good listeners. So and I, one doctor finally came in and he listened. He said, oh, you're right. Hello, I know I'm right. Mm-hmm. So, but we want mm-hmm. people to be able to listen to us. And I think this is why doula is so important when you're having uh, a baby. Your family members, sometimes they don't have the backbone to speak up or the the eyes to recognize there is a complication going on. There could be something that can be harmful or deadly to the individual that's having this baby or to the baby. So Mm -hmm. having someone that has the experience, know what to look for, and know how to convey this message to the medical society or the people that's working there, we got a problem here. And this gentleman... Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I was serious listening to his story because he said he told them numerous of times, this is, what, this is what's happening. And they even made an ugly comment about, wait a minute, you're not the only one. We've got other patients. And the doctor very nonchalantly said, well, we'll be out in 15 minutes. We'll be done it. And she ended up dying on the table. And so we don't want to lose our family members and our babies because we're here to bring in life, not take away life. So... Having mm-hmm. someone with that eye to say, there's a problem here, and then having the medical information and the t- not even, even the tone to say, look, you need to take care of this, like ASAP, and know how to get someone's attention to pay attention to your loved one. So let's address this here because I've seen several articles, and this was published back mm-hmm. in February of last year. Okay, mm-hmm. I know I said a lot, here, but, but yes, I'm going to let you handle it now with this issue with um especially with women of color. Hmm. That's very layered. Um, first of all, as black women in that medical model we aren't listened to. You know, we are in the eyes of the medical model and, you know, the providers possibly, you know, you may be consider you being difficult because you're speaking up or, you know, we were taught do what the doctor tells you, you know, and just hush, you know. So yes. first and foremost, we're black. So that's going to be, you know, how people say, well, you know, color don't matter, you know, 
whatever, whatever, people are people, this and that. But the first thing people are going to see is that you are a black woman getting ready to have a baby. So in that sense, even though you are Serena or you're Beyonce, you know, at the end of the day, they black women just like we are. You know what I'm saying? So you're in that hospital setting. It doesn't matter about your degree, your title, your socioeconomic status. You are still a black body in their bed. You know, I hate to sound so whatever about it, you know, but that is the truth. And so if the if they're not listening to you when you're saying, hey, my ankle, my, my granddaughter hurt her ankle, you know, she's not having a sickle cell episode. So imagine what some pregnant women go through when they say, hey, I can't breathe or, you know, my I'm not feeling well or, you know, whatever that uh, complication or whatever they're experiencing and the nurse is like, well, you know, I got 10 other people to see. Just hold on, you know. So a lot of women of color, a lot of black women experience those type things, you know, um, just the way we're looked at and we're projected as, you know, oh, she's being a difficult, loud black woman. You know, they're, they're, these are societal things that are put out, you know, and then it, it, we are, at the end of the day, we're all human. So our doctors, our nurses, our who, whomever is in that hospital setting, they're people first and foremost. So people come in with a lot of their biases or, you know, cultural things just already mm-hmm. inundated in their brains or whatever, in their psyche. So, you know, they're going to bring, a, you know, not speaking on everybody, but that can be brought into that situation, you know. So, and it's, it's detrimental to a lot of young women, you know, who are young right. and healthy or who have had perfectly preg- healthy pregnancies and then get to that stage and, you know, something goes wrong, you know, or, you know, they're maybe not educated on how to care for themselves after they leave or things like that, or they get home and something goes wrong or they have to go, you know, or they, you know, they, they don't know what to look for or what that means if, if they're hemorrhaging, having a hemorrhaging or things like that. So right. there are so many factors but at the end of the day, when you step into a hospital setting, you're going to, you know, you're going to have to, you know, kind of, that's why I say you need to be educated and know what your rights are and know your body and know things and have a support because you are under their duress in a sense. I, I hate to sound so whatever with that word, but you're in their setting. You know, you're in, you came there to have your baby and, you know, people need to research the medical model. The medical model is about that treatment and that, you know, solving that problem. And and having a baby is not a problem. It's not considered a disease. You know what I mean? But you're in a home. Now, is there a list of warning signs or things to look up? You mentioned can't breathe, um, bleeding, uh, women having, uh, still having pain and, and maybe hemorrhaging inside. What are some of the mm-hmm. ways these women are 
and then I'm looking at is it because uh, is it high blood pressure? I, look, I think just recently some young lady passed away um, in Atlanta uh, before I came up here. She was having she went on her blood pressure medication. They didn't give it to her at the hospital. Whatever was going on. Mm-hmm. So what are mm-hmm. the causes that that can cause these women to die during childbirth? You know, um, like I said, it's your whole bo- your body is a system. So if if one thing is off, it can throw off other things. You know, even when you're pregnant. You know, so um, that's why I was saying the total physical, mental, everything health of the mother is so so important and okay. so vital. And for her to have support and for her to not be alone and for her to be listened to, all of these things play a part in her birth delivery, you know? So, um, so our women are being, pardon me? So I'm thinking fear. So fear plays a big factor because yeah. that can cause your blood pressure to go up. It can cause mm-hmm. you to panic. It can have people have yes. hypoventilating. It can mm-hmm. cause so many other things. So that's where having a doula, having someone to calm you down, being yes. able to be articulate and to tell you, okay, I'm hurting here, or, or I may be hemorrhaging, or I'm doing this, and being mm-hmm. able to get that attention of the medical people to say, address this, and address this now. Yes. Um Staying calm is important, but you you know, like you said, that fear, and that's the that's the that's the part where, like like you're saying, the preparation, having that doula, having that support, knowing exactly what's going on with your body, knowing your anatomy. You'd be surprised. There are women with PhDs that really don't know their anatomy. You know, they get ready to have a baby, and they're like, "Oh, I didn't know," you know. And these are super educated women, but you know, they they're not educated in childbirth though you know so right those are all right. all of these things play a part however when you get in their hospital you're under their way that they do things that's why yeah. you being prepared and you knowing the way things go that's how to handle yourself yes how to uh, communicate all of these things will play a part in the way you're being you're gonna get treated too. You know, I'm I'm just being realistic. So having, you know, a lot of women are like, Well, I don't need a doula, I don't need I got my mama, but your mom, she's your mom, so she has a whole different level of love and right, care and right, concern right. for you. But she she might need a little support herself. You know, you're her baby. So, you know, yeah, that's yeah. that's why I'm that's why I'm saying, you know, this is this is serious business with when it comes to our, our mothers. All of them need a doula. I wouldn't go I, if my daughter called me today and said, Mom, I'm having a baby. My daughter's twenty four and she's finishing up her college and I I, I and she's not married, so I don't I'm not gonna say I'm gonna be like, Yippee you know, but I, it, uh, hey, a blessing is a blessing. I would say you're gonna have a doula. Like I would insist. Because I would not want her going into the hospital in Birmingham without that doula. You know, she she right. needs that support. You know, so I may not be her doula, but I would definitely refer recommend she find one for her. You know, because our women need that. 
you should not be going into a hospital as a pregnant woman of color, especially nowadays without your support. Even if you have that doula on your your Scott, you know how they use the younger generation. They use the, the social media for everything else. Well, use your social media to have your doula on there when you get ready to have your baby, because you know the hospitals and, are saying you can't only bring one person in. If you're gonna bring the baby, the baby daddy or your girlfriend or whatever, we don't discriminate. But you need to have that doula on there or that person have that device in there so that you can have your support right there with you. You know how you can work out online now. You can do everything online. Have your doula with you online also. Now, and even with family members, if someone has a doula, are you educating the partner, the moms, and all of them about mm-hmm. the childbirth for this person? So, therefore, they have some knowledge of what to anticipate or what to look out for too, because you don't want no one staying yes. in the in the in the process of all of this. So yes, actually, too. yes, actually, the couple that I'm working with now, I am going to do a training session with the father because he is going right now. Uh, this particular mom is having her baby at Atlanta Birth Center, so they're telling her that she can only bring. At first, they weren't allowing any other people in, but they they laxed it up a little bit and said she can bring one person, which is the dad. So I'm going to train him on you know, some comfort measures, different techniques that he can use to support her. You know, um, right. I, I did notice on um, one of the platforms, I think Instagram, um, there was a doula offering classes for dads to train them mm-hmm. on, you know, and which I thought was unique. I was like, hey, that's a great idea. Um, you know, because we're having to be creative because we're, you know, when the COVID hit, we were being shut out of the hospitals, period. You know, like a lot of hospitals were like no doulas allowed or some moms had their babies by themselves, you know, so there was a lot going on. So there are doulas out being very creative. And this particular doula had a training course for the partner to provide support, you know, during COVID because only one person is going to be allowed in the room with the mo- with the mother. So yeah, and I we think do too, provide with, with the number of um, number of uh, African American women dying in childbirth or even after childbirth. Policymakers mm-hmm. are now paying attention. People, are, this the flag is going up. The red flag has gone up. And so we have lost so many women and uh, and babies. The policymakers and hospitals are now waking up. Do you think in a waking up to the tune that will bring about some changes in these numbers and prevent these deaths from happening? You know what? I can't speak on that because I'm not, I don't work at the hospital. I'm not on the board. I'm not in the, in the accounting room when they do their books. You know, a hospital is a business. So, you know, in my mind, the number one thing is you're make you gotta make your money. You gotta you gotta meet your whatever. That's just the way. I mean, I just think like that about hospitals. It's just me. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't. You know, I really can't speak on that because I'm I'm considered a person coming in. You know, that's not. Um, you know, a part of their their staff or a part of their medical model. So, I, I in right. my heart of heart, I would think that they are looking, you know, out for 
what's best for everyone, no matter white, black, rich, poor, what you know, right. in a perfect right. world. But we have right. to be realistic. And the numbers speak for themselves, you know. If black moms are dying at four times, pardon me? What can we do as everyday people to educate the mom? And that's another thing. You know, um, I think now, because I see so many pregnant women, like you said, so I'm going to start mentioning to young women, do you have a doula? Do you know what a doula is? Have that conversation with some of these pregnant women. Yeah, I think that's you know, I think I, we can start there. Yeah, like you said, the education piece, getting that out there. And I think a lot of them fear the, the cost, you know. And, you mm-hmm. know, we as black women, we spend a lot of money on our hair. You know how we Girl. do it. You know, we, 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 we buy whatever kind of whatever we want. But when it comes to our health, we'll skimp. We'll be like, oh, I don't have insurance or, you know, my Medicaid is yeah. paying for it. Get you a doula. That $300 That's or that 200 because there are some doulas that will take clients for $300. Their phone won't take you unless you got 3000 I mean, there's a wide range. So, you know, spend that money on your health and your the future, your child. You know, spend that money on... Yeah. You know, set that aside. You have nine whole months or whenever you find out you're pregnant or whatever to, you know, right. some doulas will take a little deposit or whatever and invest that into your life for you and your child. I tell them all the time, I said, if, if we can go out and buy these expensive Nikes and three and $400 tennis shoes for our kids or ourselves, because some women my age wear like those, you know, hey, do that mm-hmm. for yourself when you're pregnant. Have you yeah. a doula? Do not go in that hospital on on arm yeah. with your doula or on your Skype or your 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 device. Just like you play your music yeah. on your device or whatever you do on your device, have your doula on there when you get ready to have your Amen. baby. Because yeah. you need you need the support. Especially in yeah. this environment. There's a lot going on right now in the Yes, hospital. it is. It is. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to come right back to on the D-Hour Network. I'm Marsha Patterson uh, for your health and Linda Walden, and we're talking about doulas and the importance of having them at your side to support you, your baby, and your family. We'll be right back.
program, this radio show is information presented here is for the purpose of information and education only. It should not be construed as offering medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment of any illness or injury or condition or preventing any health problems. The listening audience should consult with their licensed practitioner or doctor for proper diagnosis and treatment. And the purpose for me starting this blog talk show is to educate our community about what our options are and how people have used natural things to get their health back, common sense things that have brought about changes in their lives as well as the lives of their family. And I think it's so important because information is powerful. And we can learn from each other and we can have um, this information to pass to our family, to friends, so they can be equipped to make the right decision and health decision for themselves and their family. I, it's, it's just mind-blogging to me. It's just blowing my mind. This is 2020 and that we're losing so many women giving birth. And we want to bring healthy, strong children into the world. That's, they're the gift from God. And we need to cherish that gift and cherish that wound that carry that gift. And that's why I started the Blog Talk Radio. That's the very reason I have my business called Yesterday's Kitchen for Today. And with the COVID-19, with Yesterday's Kitchen for Today, we're now um, doing, uh, we're going to be doing Zoom parties because normally we're doing home parties. And one of my um, workshops that I do or home parties I do was the labor of love. And the labor of love is for moms and dads who are planning to have kids, who have kids, that it's important that we feed this wound and that body, the healthy foods so that we can have healthy, nutrition kids, kids that are healthy both in mind, body, and spirit. And we talked, we touched a little bit on depression a little bit. Um, I know we only got a couple more, about 20 minutes left of the, about 19 minutes left of the show, Linda. But I wanted to mm-hmm. cover some questions for families who are going to be going into the hospital and knowing they're going to have babies and they're concerned with COVID-19. Um, we're going to come mm-hmm. back and deal with the mental uh, postpartum of these babies, and and I want to tie that into nutrition too. So I'm going to ask you to come back again. If you you know you've been always gracious when I've always asked for you to come back, so we mm-hmm. can touch on the mental state and how what to do afterwards. Um, I don't know if you follow up with these moms after they have the baby to see how things are going. And maybe mm-hmm. we can have some moms on to talk about their journey after the baby while they're pregnant and their relationship okay. with doula. So if we can do that again because I think we can be a good example. Um, if someone has walked that road and taken that step and they can look back and bring mm-hmm. others on that same path and journey to being healthy, nutrition, giving birth to healthy babies, and that's what we want to do. So I yes. want to us to have another conversation, circle back and have another conversation regarding the mental state when you bring the baby home and feeding those babies the food they need to flourish mentally as well as physically because autism Mm -hmm. is going to arise. We're having so many health issues with these babies at an early age. I mean, I'm telling you, it's honest. God is my witness. I don't even remember nobody being a preemie until I had a granddaughter that was a preemie you know, being in an incubator mm-hmm. or none of that kind of stuff. I never saw that growing up or hearing that. And mm-hmm. now you hear so many health issues with these babies. And I truly believe if we feed that mom's wound and the dad's wound, 
before they're pregnant, while they're pregnant, we can bring forth some healthy, strong babies. So, but I know mm-hmm. we only got a few more minutes left. I saw this on Dr. Kimberly Heller. Um, she's an OGB, uh, OBGYN, and she put this article out there about COVID-19 on how moms supposed to address COVID-19 during this pregnancy. And one of the questions she says, am, um, question that parents can ask themselves or the mom can ask, am I a high-risk category? Because of my pregnancy, um, at this time, it appeared that COVID-19 infection is not severe in most pregnancy women. So women, as you know, do they have any problem or fear about COVID-19 getting infected with this um, virus? Well, my client who, like I said, is a school teacher, she does have some fear about okay. getting infected with the virus. You know, because she's going to be teaching in the public school setting. Um, right. Even though it's virtual. I'm so sorry I didn't hear you. Yeah, hers is going to be virtual. So she would not be directly exposed to the children, correct? No, but she will be exposed to other teachers and other, like, um, you know, support staff, you know. So there will be other people in the building. And I, from what I'm understanding, there will be, like, another teacher in there also teaching. So there's some, you know, concern for her, you know, anxiety. She had, She's telling me she's having a little anxiety about going back to work, you know, so. But this, mm-hmm. this Dr. Um, Heller, this Kim, wait a minute, let me just say this real quick. This doctor is indicating mm-hmm. that the high-risk pregnancy, that COVID-19 also does not seem at this time to harm unborn babies, although it's also based on the underlying uh, information that they have because everything is so new with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So at this point, yeah. doctors aren't seeing that it underlines, uh, affects the underlying baby inside the womb. And that now hospitals are really doing their best to keep, uh, if the mom comes in there pretty healthy, according to this lady article, they keep the mom and baby together as opposed to keeping the baby in a, um, the nursery like they used to do back in the days. Mm-hmm. They used to have all the babies in the nursery. And that depends on each particular hospital. But if the mom tests uh, positive for COVID-19, they will separate the baby immediately from the mother. And so the baby is not with mm-hmm. the mom during the time that the mother has been tested and that um, for COVID-19. And they're asking people from the CDC, the family members, to follow all protocols and um, things that is written about hand washing, uh, masks, and things like that if the family's at home um, people coming in to visit the baby uh, or to do that. And they actually tell me some people, I know some people are not even letting folks in their homes at all right. COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So what other issues do you think um, we should, uh, parents should be concerned with or address with uh, COVID-19? Well, you know, um I always advocate breastfeeding. That's, you know, that's one of my philosophies. And from what I'm understanding from CDC and World Health Organization, 
that it's still safe for moms to, you know, breastfeed during the COVID and right. their right. that their right. breast milk is so important and so vital to the health of the baby that oh it outweighs yeah. yeah, any fears of the baby contracting uh COVID uh via breast milk now, or even, you know oh go ahead. Mm-hmm. The first milk that comes out the mother is colostrum, and that helps mm-hmm. you. That's called mammal's first milk. That first milk, once that mother starts breastfeeding, that baby latches on after birth, that first milk comes out is colostrum, which helps build that baby immune system. And this is so important. That's when we're going to circle back talking about building the mom's immune system because the COVID-19 is hitting people with weak immune system, people who already have mm-hmm. underlying health issues with their immune system right. already weakened. So it's important for the mom, like you said, to breastfeed that baby with that first mammal's milk, which is the colostrum which is very powerful mm-hmm. and healthy and keeping that baby to be able to do what God designed it to do, defend itself. And the mom's what? milk is more powerful than any milk you can buy on any shelf, grocery store. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. build your immune system up, mothers, before you're pregnant, while you're pregnant, by what you're eating. And that milk that's going to come out, the creator designed that to be your first mammal's milk, which is the colostrum, which helps you to feed that baby with something that's going to defend itself. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better. That's right. Um, That is so important. Um, I know that I don't know anyone personally who's been separated from their babies, but I have seen uh, on television, on on the news where they show, you know, a mom that tested positive and you know, Positive, the mom was separated yeah, from her. Yeah. yeah, separated from her baby. Right. But I don't know anyone personally. Um, babies do thrive. You know, that just that skin to skin, and you know them being held by their mother is yeah, super yeah. important. But the dads can do the um. You know, dads can also do the skin to skin with the baby also. So, you know, maybe. You know, you get a snippet on TV. Maybe the dad is the one who's doing the skin-to-skin with the baby. Um, But um, during these COVID times, it's just kind of a stressful, heightened alert time. Um, But from what I've um, been hearing now in the hospital setting, um, we do doula calls with other doulas. I've heard that a lot of the things have calm down, like I said, the mom that I have that's due in November, she's having her baby in a um, birthing center. So it's uh, a different setup than the hospital. Um, But a lot of uh, stressors, I think, more for, like, the support people, like the family members and the partners Mm -hmm. are kind of stressing, you know, even more than the moms from, from what I'm hearing. However, the hospitals are just saying, you know, one person allowed in the room with the mother. So, um, you know, those are some of the things that I've been hearing from other doulas right now. Um, people are practicing their, you know, social distancing, washing their hands, masking up, PPE, and things of that nature. So 
I, I feel like, you know, once you get in there and you're, you're practicing what the CDC guidelines are or what the um, guidelines are at the hospital, you should be fine. I'm sure they're going to take your temperature because a lot of the hospitals take your temperature when you walk in the door now. So um, okay. I feel like, you know, like I said, as long as you have your doula on your device, you should be okay. You know, you should really, really consider you know, getting you a virtual doula. If you can't find one locally, you can also, you know, virtual is all over the, you know, all over the country, all over the world. You know, I, I have some mm-hmm. uh, doula friends who are saying that they are being a virtual doula for mothers in other states or even in other countries, you know. So the sky is the limit. You know, you really should uh, get out there and, advocate for your own health and the health of your child. Um, That is so important. Don't worry about the cost. There are some, yes, there are some great doulas out here that are willing to, because we're in COVID, you'd be surprised. The COVID has brought out a lot of great, great things in people. People are offering free classes. They're offering discounts. They're offering um, right. You know, training and everything. Right. Because they know people have you lost know, their virtually. jobs and people don't have the money. Yeah. People have lost their jobs. They don't right. have the money. And, and, and some, some people don't yes, have the money. And, yeah. Yes. And there are doulas out here that really are working with moms and dads, you know, working with you or, or whatever your, your situation is or your, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm discriminating discriminating against LGBTQ or anybody, but whatever your situation is or there are there is a doula for you. Um, you just have to get out there and research, you know, for yourself and, and really, really um, push and advocate for yourself and be willing to be open-minded and don't think, you know, oh, I can't afford it or, you know, I'm going to be judged or things like that because there are a lot of great doulas. There are even male doulas, you know. know, There's a whole world of doulas, and there are doulas who specialize with working with uh, same-sex couples. There are, you know, it's just a lot. So get out there and... And do your own work. Have the best, yeah. Have your best. Have the best pregnancy, healthy baby. It's it's possible, yeah. you know, with all the headlines and all the fear. Like you said, there's a lot of fear. Um, right. It's still possible to have a happy, healthy pregnancy, and you know, now, have a, a beautiful baby. I want you to tell listening audience if they're interested in getting you as a doula, if they're in the Atlanta area. How can they reach you, Linda? Um, They can reach me at the Art of Labor Doula Services on Facebook. Um, I also have a website, www.theartoflabor.com. They can reach me via phone, uh, 770-875-3367. I don't have any small children, so you can call, you can text, you know, (laughs) Um, I'm very flexible. <laughs> yes, I'm very flexible. So, um, you know, reach out to me if you if you're you know interested in reaching out to me uh, to ask questions about you know another doula. Like you may want a, a, a doula that's all natural. Or you want 
to find out some information about midwives or whatever, just give me a call. Just reach out. Um, that's what I'm here for. Um, I always, like I say, I have that philosophy of mom and baby first. You know, everybody's not a fit for everyone. I wouldn't be offended. I just want the best for you and your baby and to have a healthy, happy baby. Um, there are some great doulas in the Atlanta metro area. There are great doulas throughout the country. Um, but people, you know, like you were saying, we have to educate people and get that information out there, and that's what we're doing. And um, don't 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 cheat yourself, you know. Like I said, don't worry about, oh, can I afford it or blah, 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 because there are a lot of doulas who are really working with clients right now. Um, and, and we love what we do. So I think even above the money piece, because I feel like every metro area kind of has their own um, rate scale, so to speak, but even though there's an average rate scale, there are doulas that charge a lot less, and there are doulas yeah. that, you know, really charge a lot of money. It's based on experience and you know, those type things and location. I have one more question. Right. I want to I want to just address this one more question is what do yes, you ma'am. tell women to pack to take to the hospital real quickly? We got about three minutes. Just, oh, what, do you, well, what do you take to the hospital? Oh, I don't even have my list with me. But there is oh, a, okay. you know, as doulas, that's a part of our service. We, I have my own personal, you know, I, I didn't, I don't have it out. And if you can so, give me I'm that so list, sorry. I can. If you, if you don't mind me posting that list, I can post that list. Okay, well, that's let me let me get the list and I will send it to you. Yeah, it's it's quite yeah. extensive, believe it or not, because you really need to be prepared. So let me get okay. that list to you. Um, okay. Actually, there's a list for your partner, things that the your partner can bring. And me as a doula, I have a I have a good bag list too, so of things that I okay. bring. So yeah, I'll get that okay. list out, and you can get it out to your audience. I just want to thank you so much, Linda, for taking out the time on a Sunday evening. Uh, I know it's kind of storming here, and I'm in Wisconsin right now. I'll be back in Georgia in about oh. another couple of weeks. And um, okay. but it's a good thing. But it's um, it's a good thing that we're sharing this information, putting people's minds yeah. at ease, knowing that they have a resource of help and support for them and their family. They just have to research it and find it. And that doulas are out there. And like I said, I never knew nothing about a doula when I was having my children, and yeah. I wish I had. <laughs> but I want to make sure the next generation have this information. People, and a lot of yeah. these young women are uh, are smart and inquisitive. They want healthy they babies, are. and they want to bring mm-hmm. their babies to this world, both mentally as well as physically. Deal with it, and but mm-hmm. to know exactly. that the diversity we see the diversity going everywhere else. But we're gonna bridge that gap of knowledge and knowing that every baby and every mother is important when they're giving birth, regardless of their nationality every, yes. or income. That's it. So, Linda, I want to thank mm-hmm. you for being on my show, and I want to remind our listening audience: you're on the DR Network. This is Marsha Patterson. We're here every Sunday, um, eight o'clock two-hour show to give you information that's going to empower you and your family for better health. 
Linda, thank you so much for doing the show thank with me. Thank you for um, having me. You're, you're truly welcome. And we're going to come back again, and we're going to talk about nutrition and mental state. So, all right. And bring, so yes, much. and we'll have mom. Okay. Perfect. Have a blessed week. Be safe and take care of yourself. Bye.